0: Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories.
1: The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, starring Peter Jones as the book.
2: Arthur Dent, a perfectly ordinary Earthman, was rather surprised when his friend Ford Prefect suddenly revealed himself to be from a small planet somewhere in the vicinity of Betelgeuse, and not from Guilford after all. He was even more surprised when a few minutes later the Earth was unexpectedly demolished to make way for a new hyperspace bypass. But this was as nothing to their joint surprise when they are rescued from certain death by a stolen spaceship manned by Ford's semi-cousin, the infamous Zephod Biebelbrox, and Trillian, a rather nice astrophysicist Arthur once met at a party in Islington. However, all four of them are soon totally overwhelmed with surprise when they discover that the ancient world of Magrathea, a planet famed in legend for its surprising trade in manufacturing other planets, is not as dead as it was supposed to be. For Zaphod, Ford and Trillion, surprise is pushed to its very limits when this happens. <coughs> and when Arthur Dent encounters Slarty Bartfast, the Magrathian coastline designer, who won an award for his work on Norway, and learns that the whole history of mankind was run for the benefit of a few white mice anyway, surprise is no longer adequate, and he is forced to resort to astonishment.
3: Mice? What do you mean mice? I think we must be talking across purposes. Mice to me mean the little white furry things with the cheese fixation and women standing screaming on tables in early 60s sitcoms.
1: Earth, man, it is
3: sometimes hard to follow your mode of speech. Remember, I have been asleep inside this planet of Magnathea
1: for five million years and know little of these early 60s sitcoms of which you speak. These creatures you call mice, you see, are not quite as they appear. They are merely the protrusions into our dimension of vast, hyper-intelligent, pan-dimensional beings... The whole business with the cheese and the squeaking is just a front. A front? Oh, yes. You see, that mice set up the whole Earth business as an epic experiment in behavioral psychology. A ten-million-year program.
3: No, look, you've got it the wrong way round. It was us... We used to do the experiments on them. A 10 million year program in which your planet Earth and its people formed the
1: matrix of an organic computer. I gathered that the mice did arrange for you humans to conduct some primitively staged experiments on them, just to check how much you really learned, to give you the odd prod in the right direction. You know, the sort of thing? Suddenly running down the maze the wrong way, eating the wrong bit of cheese, or unexpectedly dropping dead of myxomatosis. Attention, please.
0: Slotty Bartfast fast. With slotty barred fast, and the visiting Earth creature, please report immediately to the works reception area thank
1: you however in the field of management relations they're absolutely shocking really yes well you see every time they give me an order I just want to jump on a table and scream
2: I can see that would be a problem there are of course many problems connected with life of which some of the most popular are why are people born why do they die and why do they spend so much of the intervening time wearing digital watches Many millions of years ago, a race of hyper-intelligent, pan-dimensional beings got so fed up with all the constant bickering about the meaning of life, which used to interrupt their favourite pastime of and ultra-cricket, a curious game which involved suddenly hitting people for no readily apparent reason and running away, that they decided to sit down and solve the problem once and for all. And to this end, they built themselves a stupendous supercomputer which was so amazingly intelligent that even before its data banks had been connected up, it had started from first principles with, I think, therefore I am, and had got as far as deducing the existence of rice pudding and income tax before anyone managed to turn it off. Could a mere computer solve the problem of life, the universe, and everything? Fortunately for posterity, there exists a tape recording of what transpired when the computer was given this particularly monumental task. Arthur Dent stops off in Slade Bartfast's study to hear it.
4: What is this great task for which I, deep thought, the second greatest computer in the universe of time and space have been called into existence?
0: Uh, well your task, O oh uh, computer, no, is to calculate
2: this isn't right. Deep thought. Speak, and I will hear. Are you not, as we designed you to be, the greatest, most powerful computer in all creation?
4: I described myself as the second greatest, and yes, yes. such I am. But, but,
1: but this is preposterous. Are, are you not a greater computer than the milliard gargantu brain at Maximegalon,
2: which can count all the atoms in a star in a millisecond?
4: The milliard gargantu brain... A mere abacus. Mention it not.
0: And are you not a more fiendish disputant than the great hyperlobic omnicognate neutron wrangler? Which the can destroy. The great
4: hyperlobic omnicognate neutron wrangler can talk all four legs of an Arcturan megadonkey. But only I can persuade it to go for a walk afterward. Molest me not with this pocket calculator stuff. Then what's the problem? I speak of now but the computer that is to come after
0: me. Oh, come on. I think this is getting needlessly messianic. You
4: know nothing of future time. And yet, in my teeming circuitry, I can navigate the infinite delta streams of future probability and see that there must one day come a computer whose merest operational parameters I am not worthy to calculate, but which... It will be my destiny eventually to design.
0: Can we get on and ask the question? Oh, deep thought, computer. The task we have designed you to perform is this. We want you to tell us the answer.
5: The answer? The answer to what? Life! The universe! Everything! tricky. But can you do it? Yes, I can do it. You can! Th- there, there
0: is an answer? A simple answer?
4: Yes. Life, the universe, and everything. There is an answer. But I'll have to think about it.
6: Let's We demand admission. you You can't can't keep keep us out. We demand that you can't keep us out. Who
7: are you? uh, What do you
6: want? We're busy. I am magic thighs. And I demand that I am Vroomfondel. It's all right. They don't need to demand that. All right. I am Vroomfondel, and that is not a demand. That is a solid fact. What we demand is solid facts. No, we don't. That's precisely what we don't demand. Oh, we don't demand solid facts. What we demand is a total absence of solid facts. I demand that I may or may not be Broomfandle. Who are you, anyway?
7: We are philosophers. Though we may not be. Yes, we are. Oh, sorry. We are quite definitely here as representatives of the amalgamated union of philosophers, sages, luminaries, and other professional thinking persons. Mm-hmm. And we want this machine off, and we want it off now. What is all right? We demand that
6: you get rid of it. Well, what's
7: the problem? I'll tell you what the problem is, mate. Demarcation, that's
6: the problem. We demand that demarcation may or may not be the problem. You just
7: let the machines get on with the adding up and we'll take care of the eternal verities, thank you very much. Yeah. By law, the quest for the ultimate truth is quite clearly the unalienable prerogative of your working fingers. That's right. I mean, what's the use of our sitting up all night saying there may... Or may not be. Or may not be. a oh God, if this machine comes along next morning and gives you his telephone number.
6: We demand rigidly defined areas of doubt and uncertainty. My time, made
4: an observation at this point. You
6: keep out of this, metal nose. We demand that that machine not be allowed to think about this problem.
4: If I might make an observation... We'll go on strike.
7: That's right. You'll have a national philosopher's strike on your hands. Who
4: will that inconvenience?
6: Never, you mind who it'll inconvenience, you box of black-legging binary bits. It'll hurt, buster. It'll hurt. If I might
4: make an observation... All I want what to say... Is That my circuits are now irrevocably committed to computing the answer to life, the universe, and everything. But the
5: program will take me seven and a half million years to run. Seven and a half million years? Yes, I said I'd have to think about it, didn't I? And it occurs to me that running a program like this. Is bound to cause sensational public interest, <laughs> and so and so. Any philosophers who are quick off the mouth are going to clean up in the prediction business. Prediction business, obviously. You just get on the pundit circuit. You all go on the chat shows and the colour supplements and violently disagree with each other about what answers I'm eventually going to produce. And if you get yourselves clever agents, you'll be on the gravy train for life. Bloody hell, now, that's
6: what I call thinking. Here, fondle? Why do we never think of things like that? Dunno. Think our minds must be too highly trained, Magic Thighs.
3: But I don't understand what all this has got to do with the Earth and mice and things. All will become clear to you, Earthman.
1: I'm not anxious to hear what the computer had to say seven and a half
3: million years later. Oh, well, yes, of course. Quite.
1: Here is the recording of the events of that fateful day.
5: Oh,
8: people who wait in the shadow of deep thought honored descendants of Rune fondle and Magic Thighs the greatest and most truly interesting pundits the universe has ever known the time of waiting is over seven and a half million years our race has waited for this great and hopefully enlightening day the day of the odds never Never again will we wake up in the morning and think, Who am I? What is my purpose in life? Does it really, cosmically speaking, matter if I don't get up and go to work? For today we will finally learn, once and for all, the plain and simple answer to all these nagging little problems of life, the universe, and everything. can enjoy our game of Brockian ultra cricket in the firm and comfortable knowledge that the meaning of life is now well and truly sorted out.
0: 75,000 generations ago, our ancestors set this program in motion. An
2: awesome prospect. <clears throat> Deep Thought prepares to speak. Good evening.
0: Uh, good evening, uh, old oh Deep Thought. Um, uh, do you have... Um... An answer for you?
5: Yes. Yes, I have. There really is one. There really is one.
0: Uh, to everything? To the great question of life, the universe, and everything?
5: Yes. And are you ready to give it to us? I am. Now? Now. Wow. Though I don't think you're going to like it. It doesn't matter. We, we must know it. Now? Yes, now. All right. Oh, well? You're really not going to like it. Tell us. All right. The I answer to everything. everything. Yes? Life, the universe, and everything. Yes? Is. Yes? Is yes? Forty-two. We are going to get lynched, you know that. It was a tough assignment. 42? I think the problem, such as it was, was too broadly based. You never actually stated what the question was. It
2: was the ultimate question the question of life, the universe, and everything.
5: Exactly. Now you know that the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything is 42. All you need to do now is find out what the ultimate question is. Uh, All
1: right. right. Can you please tell us the question?
5: The ultimate question? Yes. Of life, the universe... And everything? And everything. Uh, Yes.
0: But can you do it?
5: No.
1: Oh, God.
5: But I'll tell you who can. Who? Tell us. Tell tell us. Who is... I speak of none, but the, the computer, that computer that is to come after me. What computer? A computer
4: whose nearest operational parameters I am not worthy to calculate, and yet I will design it for you. Look that. A computer which can calculate the question to the ultimate answer. A computer of such infinite and subtle complexity that organic life itself will form part of its operational matrix, and it shall be called the Earth.
3: Hmm. Oh, what a dull name.
1: So there you have it. Deep Thought designed it, we built it, and you lived on it.
3: And the Vogons came and destroyed it five minutes before the program was completed.
1: Yes, ten million years of planning and work gone, just like that. Well, that's
3: bureaucracy for you. You know, all this explains a lot of things. All through my life, I've had this strange, unaccountable feeling that something was going on in the world. And no one would tell me what it was. No, No. that's just perfect abnormal paranoia. Everyone in the universe has that. Uh, Well, perhaps it means that somewhere outside... Maybe.
1: Who cares? Perhaps I'm old and tired, but I always think that the chances of finding out what really is going on are so absurdly remote, and that the only thing to do is to say hang the sense of it and just keep yourself occupied. Look at me. I design coastlines. I got an award for Norway. Where's the sense in that? None that I've been able to make out. I've been doing fjords all my life. For a fleeting moment they become fashionable, and I get a major award. In this replacement earth we're building, they've given me Africa to do. And, of course, I'm doing it with all fjords again, because I happen to like them. And I'm old-fashioned enough to think that they give a lovely baroque feel to a continent. And they tell me it's not equatorial enough. What does it matter? Science has achieved some wonderful things, of course. But I'd far rather be happy than right any day. And are you? No.
3: That's when it all falls down, of course. Pity. It sounded like quite a good lifestyle otherwise. Attention, please, Slarty Buttfast. Would Slotty Buttfast and the visiting
2: Earth creature please report immediately. Repeat immediately to the works reception
0: area. Come on, you guys, the mice aren't one to hang about Mr. this
1: dimension all day. Come on, I suppose we'd better go and see what they want.
3: I seem to be having this tremendous difficulty with my lifestyle. As soon as I reach some kind of definite policy about what is my kind of music and my kind of restaurant and my kind of overdraft, people start blowing up my kind of planet and throwing me out of their kind of spaceships. It's so hard to build up anything coherent. Oh, I'm sorry. All this must sound rather fatuous to you. Yes, I thought so. Mm, Just forget I ever said it. It
2: is of course well known that careless talk costs lives, but the full scale of the problem is not always appreciated. For instance, at the very moment that Arthur Dent said, I seem to be having this tremendous difficulty with my lifestyle, a freak wormhole opened up in the fabric of the space-time continuum and carried his words far, far back in time across almost infinite reaches of space to a distant galaxy where strange and warlike beings were poised on the brink of frightful interstellar battle. The two opposing leaders were meeting for the last time, and a dreadful silence fell across the conference table as the commander of the Vlahergs, resplendent in his black jewelled battle shorts, gazed levelly at the Gergogvunt leader squatting opposite him in a cloud of green, sweet-smelling steam, and with a million sleek and horribly beweaponed star cruisers poised to unleash electric death at his single word of command, challenged the vile creature to take back what it had said about his mother. The creature stirred in his sickly, broiling vapour, and at that very moment, the words I seem to be having this tremendous difficulty with my lifestyle drifted across the conference table. Unfortunately, in the Vlahurg tongue, this was the most dreadful insult imaginable, and there was nothing for it but to wage terrible war. Eventually, of course, it was realized that the whole thing had been a ghastly mistake, and so the two opposing battle fleets settled their few remaining differences in order to launch a joint attack on our galaxy, now positively identified as the source of the offending remark. For thousands more years, the mighty ships tore across the empty wastes of space and finally dived screaming onto the planet Earth, where due to a terrible miscalculation of scale, the entire battle fleet was accidentally swallowed by a small dock. Those who study the complex interplay of cause and effect in the history of the universe say that this sort of thing is going on all the time, but are powerless to prevent it. It's just life, they say. Meanwhile, Arthur Dent is about to discover the answer to the disturbing question posed in last week's instalment. Are his companions, Ford, Zephod, and Trillian, lying bleeding to death in a subterranean corridor? Or have they merely slipped out for a quick meal somewhere?
5: Arthur, you're safe. Am I? Oh, good. Hi, Arthur. Come and join
7: us. What happened to you? Uh, well, our hosts here sort of uh, attacked us with a fantastic,
3: uh, dismodulating antiphase summary, and then invited us to this amazingly keen meal by way of making it up to us. Hosts? What hosts? I can't see any hosts.
9: Welcome to lunch, Earth
4: creature. What?
3: Who's said that? Oh, there's a mouse on the table.
4: Oh, haven't you found out yet, Arthur?
3: Found out what? Uh, oh. oh, I see, yes. Oh, yes. I, I just wasn't quite prepared for the full reality of it.
4: <laughs> Arthur,
9: let me introduce you. This is Benji Mouse. Hi.
3: Hi.
9: And this is Frankie, uh, Mouse. Nice to meet you. It yeah. seems they control quite a large sector of the universe in our dimension.
3: But aren't they... Yes,
9: they are the mice I took with me from the Earth. It seems our whole journey has been stage-managed from the beginning.
1: Uh, excuse me. Yes, thank you, Fast. You may go. Oh, Oh. Very well, thank you, sir. I'll, I'll just go and get on with some of my fjords, then.
9: Uh, in fact, that won't be necessary. What? We won't be requiring the new earth after all. We've had this rather interesting proposition put to us.
1: You can't mean that. I've got a thousand glaciers poised and ready to roll over Africa.
9: Well, perhaps you can take a quick skiing holiday before you dismantle them. A
1: skiing holiday? Those glaciers are works of art. Elegantly sculpted contours, soaring pinnacles of ice, deep, majestic ravines. It would be sacrilege to go skiing on high art. Thank you, Slotty Bartfast.
9: That will be all.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Well, goodbye,
3: Earthman. hope the lifestyle comes together. Goodbye, then. Sorry about the fjords.
9: Now, Earth creature, we have, as you know, been more or less running your planet for the last ten million years in order to find this wretched thing called the ultimate question. Why? No, we already thought of that one, but it doesn't fit the answer.
3: No, I mean, why have you been doing it?
9: Oh, uh, well, eventually just habit, I think, to be brutally honest. And this is more or less the point. We are sick to the teeth of the whole thing and the prospect of doing it all over again on account of those winnett-ridden vogons, quite frankly, gives me the screaming heebie-jeebies. You know what I mean? Uh, we've been offered a quite enormously fat contract to do the 5D TV chat show and lecture circuit and I'm very much inclined to take
3: it. I would, wouldn't you, Ford? Oh, yes, jump at it like a shot. But that's exactly the attitude those philosophers took. Does no one in this galaxy do anything other than appear on chat shows? The
9: point is this. We are in a position to give you a very important commission. We still want to find the ultimate question because it gives us a lot of bargaining muscle with the 5D TV companies. So it's worth a lot of money. Uh, quite clearly, if we're sitting there in the studio mentioning that we happen to know the answer to life, the universe and everything, and then eventually have to admit that it's 42, then I think the show is probably quite
3: short. Yes, but doesn't that mean you've got to go through your whole 10 million year program again?
9: We think there might be a shortcut. Your agent has... Uh, That's me. Is it? Your agent has suggested that both you and Earthgo, as last-generation products of the computer matrix, are probably in an ideal position to find the question for us and find it quickly. Go out and find it and we'll make you a reasonably rich man.
2: We're holding out for extremely rich.
9: All right. Extremely rich. You drive a hard bargain, Beeblebrox. Oh, now? Emergency, emergency, hospital ship has landed on
0: planet Intruders now in works reception
7: area Defense stations, defense stations Come on, you guys, what are you, let's
6: Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Oh, police, hell and
2: bats doom, we've got to get out police? Yeah, it's this Yeah, uh, it's this wretched spacecraft we stole and I left on my note explaining how they could make a profit on the insurance claim but it doesn't seem to have worked Oh, come on then, let's move it
4: how? Uh, no. Nah. We will find it. Come on, get out of here. Uh, thanks for the meal, guys. Sorry we got to run.
6: <sighs> Which way, Safon? At a wild guess I'd say uh down here. Well, I'm back. Right. Let's go. Okay, All okay,
2: right, right there. We've got you covered. You want to try and guess at all for? Uh, okay. Okay, this way. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Let's go. We don't want
5: to shoot you, Beeblox. Suits me fine. We call
6: I think i dropped my adrenaline pills, all right. Uh,
3: behind this computer bank. Get down. Hey, they're shooting at us. Yeah. I thought they said they didn't want to do that. Yeah, I thought they said that. Hey, I thought you said you didn't want to shoot us. It isn't
4: easy being a cop. What did he say?
3: He
6: said it isn't easy being a cop.
4: Well, surely that's his problem, isn't it? I'd have thought so. uh, uh... Hey, listen, I-, I think we've got enough problems of our own with you shooting at us, so if you could avoid laying your personal problems on us as well, I think we'd probably find it easier to cope. Now, see here, buddy, you're
0: not dealing with any dumb, two-bit, trigger pupping morons with low hairlines, little piggy-eyes, and no conversation. Nah. We're a couple of intelligent, caring guys, so you probably like if you met us socially. That's right, I'm really sensitive. I don't go around gratuitously shooting people and then bragging about it to see these space rangers, boys. I go around gratuitously shooting people and then agonizing about it afterwards to
6: my girlfriend. And I write novels. He writes them in crayon. Though I haven't had any of them published yet, so I'd better warn you, I'm in a mean mood.
7: Who are these guys? I think I preferred it when they were shooting. So are you going to come quietly or are
4: you going to let us blast you out? Which would you rather? <laughs> Zephard, have you any idea how we're going to deal with these loonies?
0: Now oh. listen to this, people, Brax, Yeah. And you better listen good. Why? Listen. Because it's going to be very intelligent, quite interesting and humane. Okay, fire away.
6: <coughs> oh, God, that was really dumb. Sorry, misunderstanding there.
4: Nice one, Zephyr.
6: People, Brax,
0: Either you all give yourselves up now and let us beat you up a bit. Oh, well, not very much, of course, because we are firmly opposed to needless violence. Dead or against we blow up this entire planet, possibly one or two others we noticed on our way out here. But that's yeah. crazy.
9: You wouldn't blow up this entire planet just to get a bloody spaceship back. Oh,
0: oh yes, we would. I think we would. Uh, yeah, wouldn't we? Oh, yeah, we'd have to, no question. But why? Tell her. Because there are some things you got to do. Even if you are an enlightened liberal cop who knows all about sensitivity and everything.
6: This is Drew. I just don't believe these guys. Shall we shoot him again for a bit?
9: Yeah, <laughs> why not? We're not going to be safe behind this computer bank for much longer, fellas. It's been really nice knowing you.
5: I just want to say that.
4: Yeah, it's, it's really been, been great. And it was really nice bumping into you again,
3: yeah, so Yeah, uh, hey, uh... The computer bank is absorbing a hell of a lot of energy. I think it's about to blow. It's a shame we never managed to get the work done, revising the book. I thought it looked rather promising. Yeah. What book? The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, that thing. Look, I hate to say this, but this thing really is going to blow up. Okay, okay.
2: Assuming our heroes survive this latest reversal in their fortunes, will they find somewhere reasonably interesting to go now? Will Arthur Dent or Trillian manage to find the question to the ultimate answer? Who will they meet at the restaurant at the end of the universe? Find out in next week's exciting instalment of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. In that episode of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Peter Jones was the book.
4: Richard Vernon was Slaughty Boutfast. Simon Jones played Arthur Dent. Geoffrey McGiven, Ford Prefect and Deep Thought. Mark Wing Davies, Zaphod Beeblebrox. Susan Sheridan, Trillian. Jonathan Adams, Magic Thighs and the Cheerleader. Ray Hassett, the first computer programmer, Bang Bang and P.A. Voice, Jeremy Brown, second computer programmer, James Broadband, Vroom Fondle and Shooty, Peter Hawkins, Frankie Mouse, and David Tate, Benji Mouse. The ultimate answer to life, the universe, and everything was revealed by kind permission of the amalgamated union of philosophers, sages, luminaries, and other professional thinking persons. The programme was written by Douglas Adams and produced by Jeffrey Perkins, with the assistance of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop.
0: Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another Amazing story.